Welcome to the Regarding ID podcast series. I'm Ryan Klein, contributing editor at Avisian Publishing. For the past couple of weeks, I've been talking with different people about QR codes, one of them being Dennis Hetema, uh, creative director and founder of ShotCode, which is a QR code based out of Sweden. And another person I've been speaking with also is Jonathan Buck- Buckley, CEO of ScanBy, which is based in the United States but has operations all around the world. Uh, these two guys have put a lot of uh, perspective on QR codes, and let me give you a little history of how I got involved with QR codes. A year ago or so, I had a colleague come back from Japan with uh, a menu from McDonald's, and and on the menu it had you know QR codes for a special. You could you know scan this code, shoot it somewhere, and you get a coupon for something else, and. All throughout the menu, they were there. And so it really spiked my interest about it. And so I went out and I did some research and I wrote an article uh, about six months ago on the topic. And that article is available on secureidnews.com. So if you want a little more history and anything that doesn't get discussed today, please feel free to go there and search for QR codes and you'll find some more information. Before the guys start talking, I just want to give you a couple of real world examples of where I've seen QR codes recently. The first being a large campaign put on by Sprint with ScanBuy's technology um, in Wired magazine and also is going to appear in other magazines as well. Um, they've also done stuff in Rolling Stone, other larger magazines, and you know widely used uh, magazines that for this technology to be put in front of is really a big step. Another place you can also see them are on people's blogs. A lot of times they'll have, you know, click here or take this picture with your camera phone and get more information. Another place um, that, you know, I've been talking around the office with people is, you know, on business cards. You can get a business card and, you know, and you scan their business card and you get their information right on your cell phone. So you don't have to enter their phone number to call them. You don't have to do any of that stuff. Now we're going to get into the meat of the matter. Here it is for the first time, Dennis Hatema. Uh, a shortcode is a, is a 2D barcode, which is uh, specifically developed for reading with camera mobile phones. So instead of um, having to start your mobile phone and typing an internet address, you just point your mobile phone at a shortcode, click, and you're immediately connected, just like clicking a link on the internet. I also asked Dennis to weigh in on what he thought the ScanBuy and Sprint partnership meant for the industry as a whole. Uh, well, what I, what I think is, I think... Um, uh, it's uh, of course, uh, and congratulations on ScanBy on on getting Sprint on board. That's uh, that's definitely a, a great achievement. Um, our vision at Shotcode, because because uh, we have a little bit of a different vision than than the regular Square codes, uh, is that uh, what we are talking about is a consumer-driven technology. So consumers have got to see the value of scanning a barcode and with their mobile phone and getting connected, uh, and that should be the big. Driver, so I, I think it's good that Sprint has started with it, and it's definitely going to give some attention to the market. I don't think it's going to be the step that changes everything. I think it's mainly good for everybody in this market who is competing that other people are starting to see, hey, this is possible, and these companies can then uh, uh, can then um, uh, uh, choose to uh, to uh, to yeah start working with it. So I, I think that. My big enthusiasm comes when business-to-consumer brands start adopting it, like uh, like Coca-Cola and Sprite did with us in, in Mexico, or, or Volkswagen in Italy, and etc. Okay, so you think that that really the consumer is going to drive this uh, chain of events, and it's not going to be the mobile operators themselves? 
Well, I, I, my philosophy is a little bit different from, from the majority in the market. Uh, I, I see mobile phones, especially now if you, for example, look at the U.S. Uh, as with the iPhone, uh, mobile phones are more and more becoming uh, a computer in your pocket. Uh, they have been from the beginning, but they haven't been very um, uh, adjustable. But now, nowadays you see more and more that people start to treat their mobile phone like a computer. And when you buy a laptop, for example, you can buy a laptop which has got a lot of software pre-installed. But what do you see is that the real popular applications are often not the ones that are pre-installed. It's the ones that the consumers really want. And I think that mobile phones work in exactly the same way. So pushing an application pre-installed or pushing an application from the carrier or from the handset manufacturer is definitely a positive thing. Uh, but most people who use their handsets don't know, for example, that it's often also an MP3 player. So having it installed is not the key driver. Having uh, having a carrier push it is important, but it's not the key driver. I think the key driver is that you offer a compelling product for consumers. Consumers are talking with each other, and that's how uptake starts growing. You just touched on a couple of the um, a couple of the companies that you've been involved with. You said Sprite, Volkswagen. Mm-hmm. Uh, could you give us a give all our listeners a, an overview of, of what Shotcode is doing and who they're partnering with. Yes, yeah, so Shotcode is, uh, has been in the market since uh, well, 2004-2005 approximately. Uh, we are the only circular type 2D barcode out there. Um, so our, our code looks a bit like a, like a dartboard or maybe like a, like a target area. Um, what we have done is we have always had a very strong consumer focus in our, in our products. So now we have over 250 different compatible phone models, uh, which is the largest range in the market today. And our focus has always been on the business-to-consumer brand. So as I said, uh, we've worked with Coca-Cola, we've worked with Heineken, uh, Nike, Volkswagen, uh, Monster Board, uh, Xbox, etc. And a couple of um, use cases could be, for example, uh, with Coca-Cola in Mexico, we did a campaign with, uh, with Sprite. Uh, uh, Sprite, 40 million Sprite bottles were printed with a shot code on the side. Uh, scan the shot code, answer a question about Sprite, and if you answer it correctly, you would win uh, a, a free DVD from Blockbuster or a free pizza from Domino's Pizza, any product that associates with Sprite. Um, this was a, a, a very nice campaign. It was in Mexico. We had, uh, uh, of course, a low percentage of the, of the mobile population that could actually use our application. SMS is much more prevalent. Um, uh, and if you look at it relatively seen, if you if you compare the result of the SMS campaign and the shortcode campaign, shortcode outperformed SMS two to one, uh, and that's that's quite a big thing I think because it showed that people who installed the shortcode reader and started using it as it was intended uh, became stronger repeat customers. Then we have another uh, campaign which is still running or has just finished running in Brazil uh, with Nike. Uh, a company, a Brazilian company called Netshoes, uh, sells uh, together with Nike and the Brazilian football team uh, an exclusive Brazilian football team T-shirt. And the really cool thing about that campaign is that you could scan the shot code and then purchase the T-shirt. So uh, you can actually purchase products via shot code, and that was uh, that was very exciting because that showed that uh, people really liked doing it. Uh, they were planning to sell for three months, and they were sold out in one month. So that shows uh, how fast uh, how fast that goes as well. Um, yeah, and uh, just for information, I'll, I'll I'll give you an example of a campaign that failed as well, uh, because uh, I think that failure is always always very important for new technologies that are introduced. We did a campaign with uh, with a, a university in Holland, uh, allowing students to scan shop codes to see changes in their schedules. 
And the uptake of that campaign was completely flopped. And we, of course, went back and analyzed why did this campaign flop. Well, it turns out that students are not really interested in their schedules. <laughs> and if you then offer a, a, like a 2D barcode solution, but the content that you pointed to is not relevant, then nobody's going to use it. So those are the things that we, that we learn, of course. Scanby has been around a couple years longer than Shotcode and also has a rich history in partnerships and recently has a new deployment within the United States. Here now is Scanby's CEO, Jonathan Buckley. Scanby has been around since 2000, and we are a global leader in the use of camera phones to recognize uh, optical images, mainly two-dimensional or one-dimensional barcodes. The ScanLife product, which we've introduced in the U.S. and in the rest of the world, is a client-server application, which allows a mobile device with a client on it to be able to read and decode two-dimensional barcodes or one-dimensional barcodes and link to a server. On the server, various things can happen, populating information, recording, scans, gathering data, etc. And that's the basic premise is that most most of the camera-enabled phones in the U.S. now, with the appropriate ScanLife software, could become scanners. And so this was all um, intentionally set up to work on a mobile phone? Yeah, most of our technology was focused around um, enabling the mobile phone as a scanner and using you know the existing hardware infrastructure and enabling that to scan as opposed to getting scanners, dedicated right. scanners, into a market. So I guess that will raise the next question, which is, you know, what markets is this appropriate for <laughs> and what markets isn't appropriate for? And, you know, what it's appropriate for or not appropriate for is the FedEx guy or the UPS guy or the a grocery store who's going to have a dedicated scanner there, you know. FedEx guy arrives here, has a dedicated scanner, he scans the package and drops it off. He's probably doing hundreds of scans per day. Where this is unique is for a highly decentralized organization or somebody who doesn't need a dedicated scanner to be able to enable their mobile phone to be a scanner, like real estate agents or health home workers or security guard tracking. You know, right. barcodes are in a building. As you go through the building, security guard scans the code to show that he was in that point of the building at that time, it's, it's just an, using his cell phone. It's, it's another way of of uh, verifying that you were there and checking in as well. Yeah, which actually, and the use cases are extensive, but the key is, you know, that somebody with a phone can turn that phone into a scanner but it's probably somebody who doesn't need a dedicated scanner right. or, or a business model that wouldn't support buying a dedicated scanner for that person. I was actually going to ask you if there are any other applications that uh, ScanBuy is, is in with and, and looking into using, and obviously you just gave a few explanations of different ways that it can be used that don't have to do just with marketing. Yeah, the... the the importance of the technology and the ubiquitous, potential ubiquity of it is there are thousands and thousands of use cases. So it really depends on you know the listener today, their perspective on what they're trying to achieve in their business. But the key message is you know, creating a barcode that can work with a cell phone and be scanned is very simple. 
essence, really, of the people who work within an organization with cell phones, who do you need to scan and what, what do they need to scan? And then it's very easy to create the capability of doing it. And an, another hot and popular uh, phone technology these days is near-field communication. Um, yeah. What What do you feel about that? Do you look at that as a as a competitor, or do you think that somehow that are, that um, matrix and two D barcodes and QR codes are going to interoperate with NFC, or or give me some of your thoughts on NFC? Yeah, I, I like I love NFC for certain use cases. Um, you know, there are some major differences between you know two-dimensional barcodes and NFC. So I think for the most part, you're going to see NFC in uh, checkout situations on consumer phones, you know, one-pass type things where you're buying stuff and you wave your phone in front of a unit and that pays. Uh, I think inventory and warehouse management applications are strong. Uh, I think perhaps security, you know, and tracking applications as well could be very strong. But, you know, right now the cost and the necessity of embedding a chip into a phone is still there, and that's limiting penetration. You know, I think NFC is still four or five years away from, you know, ubiquity in the U.S. Hmm. Uh, barcodes, no cost to create, you know, virtually no cost to create. You can put them anywhere. And now any phone, or most phones, will be able to read them. So there's no cost to create or put out there. Our model is cost on usage. So as codes are scanned, there's a small fee per scan. So a very different business model, very different cost structure, and very different use cases enabled by both technologies. So I think for the next three, four, five years, they're complementary. And perhaps at some point, they're interoperable and maybe competitive. Dennis also weighed in on his thoughts about NFC. Well, first of all, NFC, I think it's an amazingly cool technology. You can do very, very much with it. Um, the problem is that it's hardware-based. So whatever way you look at it, in order to have it prevalently used by everybody, you've got to give everybody a new device. Um, and that is going to delay it a lot, I think. That's the big advantage of, of short code and, and uh, 2D barcode scanning. It's, it's software-based. So we just use existing devices and upgrade them in a way. Um, if there is, I've, I've heard about methods which are going to uh, combine uh, near-field communication with the, with the SIM cards, um, uh, that, that could give a, a great boost to the technology. I don't know how far that's going to go and how fast it's going to be able to roll out. Uh, I do think that the, before NFC is big in the mobile world, we're talking another three to five years at least. All right, well, let's dive in a little deeper and find out how you install the QR code and what these two guys think about standardization. You commented that most phones can read the, the barcodes already because of the cam if it's a camera-enabled phone, but is it true that they also have to have a particular reader in order to read the codes? They need a piece of software on the phone. And so, yeah, but if, if you were... If an enterprise were buying um, a thousand phones to give out to a workforce sales organization or security organization, you know, you'd, they would be buying probably one model of phone, mm -hmm. and then it'd be very easy to install the software on that one model of phone, 
across all those funds. Right. I think that uh, that standardization is the, is the biggest challenge that the market is seeing at the moment. Um, and I would not want to call it standardization. I would call it um, guaranteeing a user experience. And what about for um, consumer trials, or not trials necessarily, but uh, I recently saw a Sprint ad that had, the, that had a code on it. And how does it work with, with phones that, you know, you or anybody listening might have that's just sitting in their pocket already? Is it- yeah, it works, uh, works right now on about 130 different phone models in the U.S., which represent about 65 million phones in the U.S. market. So consumers can download the application, and if they see a code, they can scan. And, and the, the particular scanner that you guys provide, does that also read any type of code that is available? No. Or how does the, that work? It, we have the technology to read any type of code. The U.S. trials are uh, dedicated to what we call easy codes, okay. which are a type of two-dimensional code optimized for low-end mobile camera phone usage. So the very, very simple code, which can be read by the most number of phones in the marketplace. Shotcode is, is, is our technology. So we are the only ones that create shotcode readers. So if you scan a shotcode, you can only do so with a shotcode reader. Uh, so you'll, you'll always know for sure that it works. Uh, we, are, uh, we are actually uh, on the verge of, uh, of, uh, of uh, implementing some other, some other code standards as well. Uh, just because we want to offer that service. It's not because we are going to offer different code standards ourselves, but we just want to make sure that people can scan them if they want to. Um, regarding a, a standard for the square codes, uh, like a standard booting table or something like that, I, I, I think it's a, it's, it would be an interesting thing to pursue, um, but because each company has got their own bottom line to worry about, they have to look for a business model that, that, that guarantees, it guarantees income for them. And the only way they, that they can safeguard their install base is by knowing who scans what. And the only way that they can do that is by running it through a routing table. And sharing that routing table with others is something that they have not been interested in doing and I don't think they're going to be interested in doing for quite some time, which is going to delay and, and possibly damage the technology quite a bit. The thing that I worry about is that the consumer doesn't see the difference, for example, between a QR code and a data matrix code. So they might use the wrong reader on the wrong code and get an error. Well, how many times does a user have to experience an error before they stop believing in the technology? Yeah, I think that standardization will happen, and um, I'm not sure which code will be adopted. We don't really care. We just want the one that will work on the most number of phones possible. The reader, I don't think, will be a big issue either. Whatever code is adopted um, by the U.S. carriers will also be supported by whichever readers they choose. Okay. Um, so so it, it has to be standardized to work. You know, if, if Verizon is doing one thing and Sprint's doing something else, this won't work. Right. Right. And, and so you, your business model, you guys are, tr- are you trying to team up with carriers, with uh, phone manufacturers, yeah. or how's that uh, the, In the U.S., the carriers, and the rest of the world, it depends on the geographic market. But we have, uh, at this point, four out of the five major carriers in the U.S. who are participating with us in the pilots over the next couple months. Um, and we're hopeful that after the pilots, we will then roll out with five out of five largest carriers. Well, wow, that, that's actually pretty impressive. <laughs> <laughs> it is. So, 
And it is. And then, so how does that work? So if, if it rolls out, does that mean that ScanBy is going to be the only code that will ever work and that you'll have complete control over the market, or will other players be able to come in and go? Um, it, it will have to say how it evolves, but my guess is that there will be a, you know, a standardization of codes and that only certain codes will work with the U.S. phones. Right. Because that is it is and how that works, you know, we still have some work to do. But it, it makes sense for the market. You don't want multiple codes that confuse consumers and our businesses. You want simple, this is the code that works with these phones being created. Here's the pricing structure. Decide whether you want to use it or not. So let's say you decide to use one of these QR codes. The opportunities seem to just keep on running through my head of what could be done with these and how you could use it for marketing and how you could use it within your business and my business. Everything is on the server. Hmm. So the code is just an index which goes to the server. But uh, a code can trigger a website, a specified URL. The code can trigger a phone number being dialed. Code can trigger an SMS being sent with an embedded short code. Code can trigger an MMS to be sent, an email to be sent, pre-filled. Um, and then a code can do any combination of those in a menu. So a code could pop a menu which says, call this number, go to this website, send this email, send this SMS. Well, the, the, um, uh, with ShotCode, you can only do one thing. We chose, that, chose on that for that on purpose. You can connect to the Internet. Because as soon as you're connected to the Internet, you can do everything. You can uh, download V-cards. You can uh, call other people. You can send emails. Uh, you can pretty much anything. What you can do online, you can do with one click through ShotCode. QR code is a little bit different because it's, uh, it's not originally developed for mobile phones. QR code was more developed for, for containing a large amount of data and having a, a high error correction value. And this means that you can encode pretty much anything into a QR code or a data matrix code. Uh, so you don't really need an online connection. And that, of course, brings the problem. How do you manage what people encode into these codes? And how do you manage the connection of all these codes to an online location? And that is, that is one of the big challenges that QR codes have. You've got to find a way for people to download the reader. And as soon as you find that way, then, you know, then it's, it's, it's simple from there. Um, I think that the, the, mistake, the mistake that a lot of companies have made, and we have done that in the beginning as well, is that we just look at the technology and go, oh, that's so cool, it's so cool, it looks so good, and it's got so much potential. And then we would think, oh, yeah, but it's so cool that people would just pick it up because it's cool. And that is, of course, not the case because there's so much noise in the market. You've got to really stand out and you've got to really make sure that you're noticed and that people see, okay, this is a, 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 an enormous added value to me or enormously makes my, my, makes my life a lot easier. Uh, the good thing is that, of course, we are talking mainly about uh, uh, and, uh, the, the innovators will be the first one to, to, to pick it up always. And the good thing is that they share the technology. And this technology is very shareable because all you have to do is you know, grab a Sprite bottle uh, and, and show, hey, look what I can do with my phone. And then you show it to your friends. And that's a very important part as well. So the, it's handy that the technology is cool, but it's not enough to get install base uh, if you just think, oh, I've got cool technology. The United States always seems to be a couple years behind when it comes to technology, when you compare it to the PACRIM and even to Europe. But that doesn't seem to be stopping the 2D barcodes from being implemented. Um. 
good question. What I what I what I'm always so excited about to see with the U.S. is once the U.S. adopts something, you guys do it quite big. Uh, and for example, the iPhone is a fantastic example because it's 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 such a good phone, uh, uh, and it's it offers so much more than just the well, would you call it European uh, uh, number pressing of of a, of a European mobile phone, and just provides a much better interface. Um, so I think that uh, that the U.S. is going to catch up real quickly. Um, how it's going to be with the data connections and walled gardens of the of the operators uh, or the carriers um, uh, that is remains to be seen. But uh, but I do think that uh, that once uh, the U.S. starts adopting a little bit more open structure when it comes to the data connectivity part, uh, it's going to go very very fast. And what about standby based in the United States? We know that you're heavily involved in trying to get QR codes adopted in the United States, but are you guys also working? in other countries as well? Uh, we're very active outside the U.S. So we're in Brazil, Spain, Italy, Denmark, Mexico, France, Philippines, and China mm-hmm. right now. And the business is just beginning to boom overseas. The U.S. we just launched in pilot form January 1st. So it's preliminary, but we're having you know several hundred downloads of software per day. And it's really starting to take off. It's not, it's geographically diverse, so it's across the U.S. And codes are beginning to appear in a variety of places, including magazines, newspapers, bus shelters, and other other spots. And lots of scans are happening every day. And if, if the um, trials go well and the five major U.S. carriers do adopt this technology, um, will will then they push the technology for you, or will people still have to go and download the application? No, it'll be preloaded on every phone that's sold. Oh, wow. So yeah, that'll, be so. Real, that'll be really good for the technology, and it'll... It'll change the world forever. So there you have it. Two different outlooks on the same exact technology. I hope you enjoyed this podcast, and if you need more information, feel free to search around on our websites, as well as going over to shotcode.com, and scanby.com. They have a lot more information on there, different demos. You can even try downloading to your phone and see if you can make it work. Until next time, I'm Ryan Klein for the Guardian ID Podcast.